This is the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, for February 7th, 2018. In this episode, we'll be talking about ad blocker software for web browsers. How do they work? What exactly do they block? And what are the security and privacy concerns? Plus, some follow-up on an Apple malware removal tool. The Intego Mac Podcast is presented by Intego, makers of security and utility software exclusively for Apple products since 1997. Now, here are the hosts of the Intego Mac Podcast, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. So we've gotten a lot of reader email this week. Josh, you wanted to reply to one of them? Yeah, we actually had a couple of people ask, hey, a couple of episodes ago, you guys mentioned something about an Apple malware removal tool. And I went to go find this online, and the only thing I could find was this flashback malware removal tool from years ago. So what, what's the deal? How, how can I run this Apple malware removal tool? Well, the answer to that is basically this is actually a technology that's built into recent versions of macOS. And this MRT is a program that runs in the background, and it's updated at the same time as XProtect, which we've mentioned before. That's Apple's bad download blocker. And there are ways that you can force it to update, but it's tricky. You either have to use a third-party app or you have to use the terminal and type in an arcane command. And typically it won't run on your system unless there's recently been an update. So, well, what can you do? If, if what you're looking for is something to, that you can go and download and run on your machine, let's say, for example, that you don't have active antivirus protection, which, as we've mentioned before, you really need antivirus protection that runs in the background all the time because it can do a lot more than just scanning a file as you download it. So one thing that you can do if what you're looking for is, let, let's say you're cleaning up somebody's computer, a relative, you know, you're over for the holidays or something like that, and your relative says, oh, I think I've got some infection on my Mac, I don't know what I did, and you notice that they're not running Intego Virus Barrier X9 to actively protect their computer, and you go, ah, okay, there's your problem. I'll help you buy that in just a second, but what we can do right now is we can go to the App Store and download for free. There is an app called Intego Virus Barrier Scanner, and what that'll do is it will scan the files that are on your system and clean them up for you. So that's that's something that you can do if if that's what you're looking for is just like a cleanup utility for after the fact, if you've already been infected, that's a, that's a good way to do that. Do you use a fitness tracker at all? Well, I do have an Apple Watch, which which does have some fitness tracking capabilities, yeah. Right, I do too, but the GPS isn't on all the time. When I go for a walk, sometimes I'll put it in workout mode and the GPS goes on. It turns out that a lot of military forces in Iraq and Syria have been using an app called Strava, which is a, an extremely good app for managing your fitness, recording your runs and your rides and all that. The problem is that the data of these soldiers' locations is available on the internet because I guess Strava lets you access the records of anyone, any place? Well, what I wanted to say about this is that it's something that people should definitely be aware of. If you use anything that uses your GPS location, you want to make sure that if there are any options in that software to turn off public tracking of where you are or or to reduce your location data or, or how the company is able to use that data, you want to make sure to look for those features and and set it so that you'll be able to protect your privacy a little bit better. The problem here was, again, that that people who worked on these military bases 
who were from the West, you know, or were more likely to have something like an Apple Watch and more likely to be using an app like Strava. Their run paths and things like this were being tracked, like the actual locations that, that they went, their actual routes that they took were, were being tracked and were available publicly. And so a couple of people were noticing that, oh, oh my goodness, like if I zoom in on this area of the world and I suspect that there's a military base there, or I know there's a military base there, look at this. I can see the exact routes that soldiers are taking as, as they're on their run. And, oh, look at this. If, you know, whenever they're in route between one base and another, they always take this little path right here. Where that's scary is that if somebody wanted to attack those soldiers, they know exactly where they go, where they travel. So be careful. Be careful about anything that uses your GPS location. If it's not critical or if you work in a secure environment like that, you definitely want to make sure you turn off GPS tracking for that app. Turn it off completely. You're going to reduce the functionality of your app, but you know, You've got to weigh the, the risks and realize that in a situation like that, you've got to be careful. Now for our main topic. The World Wide Web is being ruined by ads. That's certainly an opinion. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's my opinion and I'll stick to it. No, it's not just my opinion. When you go to a website and you see dozens of ads and some of them that flash and blink and some of them that scroll and some of them that pop up to hide the content you're looking at, and some of them that are animated, you know, autoplay videos and all that. It's really hard to read articles. I use an app on my iPhone called Flipboard, which is a sort of a, a news aggregator, kind of like an old-fashioned RSS reader, but it displays things differently. And you see an article, then you tap it to go to it, and sometimes it displays in Flipboard's sort of theme, and sometimes it just goes to the website and displays the website's mobile theme. And there's a story and there's a headline and a graphic and then there's an ad and there's a paragraph of text and then there's another ad and then there's a paragraph of text and then there's some sort of a link to get me to go to someplace else on the website. Then there's a paragraph of text and another ad. And at least in Flipboard, you can choose to block certain sites permanently. And I do that more and more because so many of them have such aggressive ads. Yeah. And then, of course, at the bottom of articles on a number of different websites, you have these things like check out these sponsored articles from our partners. And, you know, they may be things like, you know, the top 10 celebrities that you never believed would, you know, X, Y or Z. I don't know. Well, I can find you a good example. And I'll tell you what really bothers me about that. So there, there are a couple of companies that do this. Outbrain is one. Reconvent, I think, is another one. And if I just go to a website, a, a Mac website that's relatively popular, and turn off my ad blocker, half of what I see is fake news. Robin Williams' final net worth stuns his family. Or some of it's scams. Want to invest in Bitcoin? Here's what you should know. But then the kind of thing, I live just outside of Stratford-upon-Avon in the UK, and there's one article that says people in Stratford-upon-Avon leave their jobs, or Stratford-upon-Avon granny stuns doctors, removes her, and then it's cut off, so I don't know what comes next. <laughs> so this is particularly evil. None of these articles are real. People in Stratford-upon-Avon are becoming rich, and they think I'm stupid enough to click on that, and this is beyond just advertising and to to the point that i pretty much boycott any site that uses these companies yeah it's troublesome and it's troubling because you know that there are going to be a lot of people who are going to click on these things 
and you know, and they redirect to, to some website that then has a ton more ads. And then sometimes you don't even get to the page that you think you're going to get or the article you, you're expecting. It's not, it doesn't make for an enjoyable experience on the web. It doesn't. And of course, because of this, we now use ad blockers. More and more people use ad blockers. The ability to use an ad blocker with Safari is built into iOS 11, which is the first time this has been available outside a special browser on iOS. Obviously, it's been available for quite some time on the Mac. I use multiple ad blockers. I use one blocker on both my Mac and iOS, and I also have AdBlock, and I also have an app called Ghostery. Now, we're going to talk about what these apps do because some of them block different things. Essentially, ad blockers block ads and pop-ups. They do this with a series of filters. It's looking for character strings and URLs that might be slash ad slash something or slash ad slash something or particular servers that serve ads. It's actually a pretty simple process to block ads, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Because the way that websites work is they, you know, when you load a website, it pulls all the content that the page references. So that may be images or other things like that from the same server that's serving you the, the web content. But then you also may have other things like advertisements, there may be tracking um, or, or other scripts and things like that. There may be cascading style sheets is another thing that is on most web pages these days to format the page so it'll look nice in whatever browser you're using. And all of these things, though, are somewhere on the web. And so all, all that an ad blocking program or extension has to do is look for a particular string of characters, a, a dot .com or whatever, and block anything that comes from that dot .com or only certain specified things like a JavaScript that comes from that website. Right. A single web page could be referencing hundreds of items, as you say, a cascading style sheet, which is, there's nothing tricky about this. It's, it's CSS is what we use to style information on the web. So every title is the same font and size and weight, and every subhead is the same font and size and weight. There could be a dozen CSS files for a single web page because of its different elements. There could be a dozen or more different graphics that are being loaded, and each one is loaded separately with a different URL. I'm looking at the New York Times uh, main page right now, and there's probably nearly 100 graphics because they have thumbnails next to a lot of articles. So when you load a web page, there's a lot of stuff that loads. And if all you need to do is filter out some of the bad content, it's not that complicated from a development standpoint. Yeah, and there are also other concerns too. Like, for example, if you have advertisements that are displaying animations and things like that on, on your computer, well, that can certainly use your processing power. So if you're on a laptop, you might have your fans start kicking into to gear. And sometimes you might be just browsing the web and you have no idea that there's an advertisement on the page or, or maybe you do because it's right in your face. But then your fans start spinning on your, on your laptop or your iMac and you're like, oh my goodness, what's going on? Well, it could be that it's the advertisements on that page. It could also be a cryptocurrency miner like we've talked about on a past episode. Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit more about malware that gets served by ads in a few minutes. I think one thing, you, what you're talking about there is, is interesting that it makes your fan run on your desktop or laptop computer, but it also sucks your battery on your iPhone or your iPad. So if you're out and you're using your iPhone 
and your battery life isn't great, every time you load an ad on a page, it's one more element that has to be downloaded and rendered. And again, if it's animated, it'll keep going. It, it kills your battery. It hits your bandwidth. If you're on mobile data, some web pages can be 20 megabytes with all the ads and graphics. Easily. Yeah, that's absolutely true. There, there are so many different things that advertisements can do to whatever device you're using. And most of them are make the experience a lot less positive. Let's put it that way. Indeed. As we said, it's relatively easy to use these. And in the show notes, I'll link to an article that I've written for the Indigo Mac security blog discussing ad blocking and showing how you can set up an ad blocker in Safari on the Mac, on iOS. And I'll also talk about a couple of other browsers such as Firefox and Chrome. So I mentioned earlier that there's something called trackers. What exactly are trackers? Well, trackers are ways that the, the website owner or operator can find out more information about the, the people who look at their website. One of the really, really common trackers is Google Analytics. I mean, this is embedded in, honestly, almost every web page on the internet, it seems like. And the kinds of things that they can, can find out about you, I mean, they really vary. But just by loading a web page, you know, it's probably got a little Google Analytics JavaScript that, uh, that's, that's loaded when you load the page. And it'll look at things like what browser you're using, and it'll track that. It might be looking for the size of your window. So it might be looking to see what type of device you're using. Are you using a Mac? Are you using a Windows PC? Are you using an iOS device? But it might also be comparing your browsing session with previous browsing sessions. And this is why they're called trackers, because these use cookies that are in your browser that can go from site to site. If the same tracker can be read on a different website by the same company, then they know your behavior from one site to another. Right. And one thing that's really sneaky about this is even if you do things like deleting your cookies, that in the past has been one of the things that privacy advocates would recommend that people do. Oh, yeah, you want to clear out your cookies every week or every day or something like that. And there were even browser extensions that would do that for you at the end of the day. Well, even if you clear your cookies, there are still ways that websites can track you across sites. So again, using something like Google Analytics, which is embedded in almost every page, if you go to one page and you close your browser window, you clear all your cookies, and then you go to another page, there's a pretty good chance that it's still going to be able to identify that it was the same person who went to both of those pages. And there's a number of reasons for that. One is you have a unique internet protocol address. You have an IP address that doesn't necessarily uniquely um, identify you because, for example, you might be working at, uh, at a company that has a thousand people that are all behind the same IP address. But there are other elements like the ones that I mentioned that can also be used to more uniquely identify you. So it narrows it down and, uh, and it gives these trackers a really, really good idea of who you probably are based on, on that information, just the size of your browser window. That's one element that can help to uniquely identify you. And this helps companies decide what types of ads to serve you. They can also tell which website you came from, which gives them more information. I'm currently looking at CNN's main page. Now, I use a browser extension called Ghostery. I'll link to this in the show notes. It's a free extension. Its role is to identify and block trackers. It installs in the Safari toolbar. And when I go to a website, a little red badge shows how many trackers there are. Ghostery shows me that the CNN website has 23 trackers. Now, 
three or four is normal. As you say, Google Analytics, this is a sort of pact with the devil that we all make. I use it on my website because this is the best way we can get traffic information. If we're if we want to sell sponsorships on websites, for example, we need to have reliable statistics. So I don't really consider Google Analytics to be that bad. But on CNN, I see things like Amazon affiliates, Bing ads, integral ad science analytics, which I've never heard of, Outbrain, which is that thing with the fo- the fake news and all that we talked about earlier, Rubicon, share through. And then there's something called Beacons, and there's companies like Bounce Exchange and Index Exchange and et cetera, et cetera. Now, in Ghostery, you can turn off, you can you can block any one of these items. There's a little toggle, red and green. So basically, I've blocked most of the trackers when I see them on websites. I do leave a couple on Amazon Associates because I use Amazon affiliate links on my website, so I'm not going to block other people. And I allow Google Analytics, but I'm currently looking at the CNN site and I've allowed two out of 23 trackers. What exactly is a beacon? Well, often a web beacon is something like, it could be an invisible something on the page. It might be a one by one pixel clear image that just shows up in the bottom right corner somewhere of of the page. And it's, again, it's used for the purpose of tracking you because your device loaded that one pixel image it's a way for certain trackers to be able to identify you, even if you're blocking JavaScript, for example. Right, because a lot of these trackers use JavaScript, and there are some people who turn off JavaScript, aren't there, Josh? Yeah, I've mentioned that I, I use uh, an extension called NoScript, and and it's definitely not one that the average user really wants to do because it breaks the web. It breaks most websites. Yeah. Yes, it does. Almost every website that you go to these days is going to be using JavaScript. Now, of course, with NoScript and, and other things like that, you can select turn on JavaScript for a particular part of a page or for particular websites if you if you you know that you need to do that to make those websites work um, but it's it's a lot of work it's a hassle <laughs> it's a lot of work to use no script though okay web ads can be an annoyance a distraction but after the break we'll come back and talk about how web ads can actually expose you to malware sometimes an offer comes along that you just can't ignore or resist And here's one from Intego right now. For a limited time, and for the first time ever, Intego Mac Podcast listeners can get 60% savings on Intego software, including Mac Premium Bundle X9. Mac Premium Bundle X9 is a suite of terrific Intego software that includes the antivirus, anti-phishing, and anti-spyware protection of Intego Virus Barrier, home and hotspot firewall security from Intego Net Barrier, parental controls for peace of mind from Intego Content Barrier, and much more to help protect, secure, and organize your Mac. Download your free trial of Mac Premium Bundle X9 from Intego.com today, and then use the promo code IntegoPodcast at checkout to save 60%. That's IntegoPodcast to save 60% on complete Mac protection and security with Intego's Mac Premium Bundle X9. This is a limited time offer that may never be repeated, so you must act soon. Save 60% on Mac Premium Bundle X9, or Mac Washing Machine Secure X9, or Mac Internet Security X9 using the promo code IntegoPodcast at checkout. Intego, devoted to protecting Apple products since 1997. Visit Intego.com today and save 60%. Before the break, I mentioned that we would talk about how ads can deliver malware. And 
while we've talked about the distractions and the battery and the bandwidth, those are problems. But the fact that these ads can serve up malware, this is probably the best justification for using an ad blocker. Yeah, in fact, this is one of the main reasons why I use an ad blocker. Several years ago, uh, 2014, I think, is, is one of the first occasions of websites serving advertisements that actually delivered malware to their viewers. And this happened several times in, in uh, from that 2014 to 2016 window, um, where in some cases it, it would be an exploit or something in, in Silverlight or Flash content. And there are always new vulnerabilities that are being found in, in, in Flash, for example. And, and that's probably one of the reasons why Adobe is finally going to be killing off Flash in, in 2020. I look forward to that date. So the problem with malware and ads is that there are some cases where you don't even have to click on it for the malware to be installed, right? That's right. Yeah. We'll link in the show notes to an example from uh, early 2016. There was a Silverlight exploit. Silverlight is Microsoft's answer to Adobe's Flash Player. And actually, Microsoft has already discontinued Silverlight, and they even had at the time, but they had to release a security update for it because a lot of people still had that browser plugin installed. So what happened was major websites, New York Times, BBC, NFL's site, AOL, these are sites that... AOL, that still exists. Yeah, and believe it or not, it still has fairly high traffic. A lot of people, I think, still have that set as their homepage, maybe on their Windows 98 PC or something. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but these, these are really high traffic websites, and they were all serving ads from a particular ad provider. And these advertisements actually had Silverlight content that had an exploit in it. And so what that meant is that if you had a version of Silverlight that was not patched, if, if you didn't have the latest version of Silverlight, then your machine would be infected just by loading the advertisement. And that's that's pretty darn scary. I mean, all I wanted was to go to the New York Times. I didn't expect that I would be infected. And that is a valid reason to block ads. And there's another type of ad, which while not exactly malware, can be a little bit annoying. And I think YouTube was recently found to be serving ads that use your computer for Bitcoin mining. We'll link to an article on Mashable about this. And and by the way, I'm loading it in a browser that doesn't have an ad blocker installed. And I immediately get these huge animated advertisements. And Kirk says on his, it shows that there are 19 trackers, but it's not showing them. Yes, because my ad blocker is on, so I'm not seeing the ads, but Ghostery shows me how many trackers there are. I'm going to reload the page with my ad blocker off while you start explaining about this issue. So what would happen with YouTube was that YouTube ads were actually running CoinHive. We had an episode recently where we talked about cryptocurrency mining and this concept of crypto jacking <laughs> where a web page could inject code that would cause uh, coins to be mined. Usually Monero is, is the most common one that's done through through websites. And so that's exactly what YouTube was doing in this case. YouTube ads were actually using this CoinHive service and using your device to mine cryptocurrency while they were serving you this advertisement. Crazy. Okay, I don't think it's YouTube who's necessarily to blame, but I think they are to blame in the fact that they didn't screen the ads very well. I, th I think what happened is an ad provider 
gave them these ads and they didn't do a good job. I would like to point out that loading this Mashable story in Safari with my ad blocker off caused my iMac to use every single last bit of its CPU. So whether there is a Bitcoin miner or just really strange ads going on, I'm sorry we're linking to this article, but you might want to actually use this as a test for your ad blocker to see how it works. Sorry, Mashable, but not sorry. (laughs) (laughs) You have to name and shame these people. And of course, this brings up another question. What are the ethics of ad blocking? I make my living as a journalist and I get paid by websites, some of which survive because of advertisements, others it survived because of memberships. And some of my clients are companies for whom I do internal work. It's not published publicly, but is it unethical to block ads on a website? Now, in my opinion, if if I went to a website and it had one or two ads and they didn't flash and they didn't scroll and they didn't cover the display, and I would be relatively willing to display those ads. Unfortunately, this is not the case. And, and think about it. A web page on a website that I just went to brought my 27-inch iMac to the floor because there was so much processing power required to display that page. So on the one hand, some people will say that you're stealing from publishers. And I don't think that's really fair because the publishers have made this mistake to go overboard with ads. And you know, this is the internet's original sin. Early on, all content was free because they were trying to attract people to the internet that was new in the mid and late 1990s. And over the years, everything stayed free, and the internet just agreed that the only way to finance these things was to serve up annoying ads. Now, of course, there are many websites that do ask for subscriptions, and uh, I subscribe to the New York Times, the Washington Post, the New Yorker. Unfortunately, all of these websites, even though I'm a subscriber, they still serve up ads. So I need to use my ad blocker. And the ethics of this are, are well, it's complicated, right? <laughs> because on the one hand, you appreciate that someone is taking the time. I mean, they, they have to pay somebody to write these articles and things like that, um, or to develop whatever content it is that, that you're viewing. And so... There's got to be some way for them to earn revenue by showing you a web page and delivering you essentially free content, right? And so, so that's that's the conundrum that really everybody has to face. Do do I want to risk my computer getting infected just because of some malicious advertisement? Do I want to risk you know draining my battery and all the other things that we talked about just so that this company can serve me an advertisement that I'm may well in my case anyway i wouldn't be clicking on advertisements anyway i just have a habit of not clicking on ads um for for similar reasons because you never know where they're going to redirect and you may get infected or it's it's happened before so i'm not going to be clicking on the ads anyway is it okay to block it well th- this is kind of a something that everybody has to determine for themselves and, and follow, follow your own your own uh code of morals and ethics on this one but Uh, It's a complicated question. It really is. Yeah. So back in September 2015, developer Marco Arment released an app that he called Peace. It was one of the first ad blockers for iOS, and it quickly shot to the number one app. It was the number one paid app in the App Store for 36 hours, and then he decided to pull it. And I'll link in the show notes to an article he wrote entitled Just Doesn't Feel Good, where he was saying that he just wasn't comfortable with this. He said, Peace required that all ads be treated the same, all or nothing enforcement for decisions that aren't black and white. The approach is too blunt, and and he decided that this didn't serve his beliefs. Now, he recommends that Ghostery is a great tool to use, which is more of a tracker blocker than an ad blocker. But it's interesting that 
you know, he was making a fair amount of money from this app, and he decided very quickly that it just wasn't right. He says, even though I'm winning, I've enjoyed none of it. That's why I'm withdrawing from the market. Now, when he released this, this was the very first time that ad blocking was available on iOS, and he was the first one out of the gate with a really good ad blocker app, and this was the first time that people on iOS were asking this question, whereas on the Mac and on Windows, we've been using these tools for several years. So uh, the ethical question is interesting. Uh, I would like to respect websites, but I'd like them to respect me as well. I can't read an article if I've got some kind of flashing ad, if an ad scrolls or if there's an ad between every paragraph. I can't read like that. You know, if your website is easy to read, then I won't block your ads. And there are lots of websites that I have whitelisted. So in any of these ad blocker apps, you can add a website that it will not act on. So if your favorite website is making a little bit of money through whether it's Google ads or private ads or affiliate links or whatever, you might want to whitelist them. But when it's a big website like this Mashable that just killed my iMac, um, sorry, I don't feel guilty. Uh, you know, it just occurred to me that another alternative here is if you don't necessarily mind viewing ads as long as they're not too terrible, one thing that you can do is you can use the Safari browser, which has a feature called Reader that if you're if you've got a page pulled up that's mostly text content. So mostly if you're reading articles, then you can just click on a button within the browser and it'll shift into this mode where it is just black and white and it just gives you the text that you want to read, which is really, really useful. So if you don't really want to do an ad blocker, but you know there are pages that you go to occasionally that are just you know, with an overwhelming amount of advertisements and things, that's one possible solution as well, instead of just blocking the ads. It doesn't work on every web page. Sometimes they have like some sort of a divider in the page and you only see the first part of an article and not the rest of it. But for many websites, it's very useful. And it's great because you can adjust which font is used, the size of the font. It makes reading the web very easy when you're faced with a whole lot of different designs that are often made for young people with very good eyes. And if you wear glasses and it's a little bit painful to read websites, then this might be the way to do it. I'll link to an article on the Intego Mac security blog, which talks about customizing the way websites display in Safari and shows how to use Reader. So I think that's enough for this week. I may need to restart my iMac because Safari's not happy because of that Mashable article. <laughs> In any case, check out the show notes and you'll get links to some articles and some apps that you might want to use to deal with this. Until next week, stay secure, Josh. Stay secure. Remember, you can save 60% on Intego software by using the code INTEGOPODCAST at checkout. Hurry, the 60% savings offer won't last long. Thanks for listening to the Intego Mac Podcast with your hosts, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. To get every episode, be sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts or in your favorite podcast app. Links to topics and information Kirk and Josh mentioned in the podcast can be found in the show notes for the episode at podcast.intego.com. The Intego website is also where you'll find details on the full line of award-winning Intego security and utility software, intego.com. <laughs>